You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. Welcome and thank you for joining me. I created this podcast along with everything I do at yourparentingmentor.com to support and inspire you to be the best parent you can be. I know for a fact and from experience that parenting was never meant to be done alone. From conception to preschool, my mission is to give you the tools, strategies, and knowledge to embrace and elevate your parenting experience. I'm dedicated to supporting, inspiring, and guiding you to nurture your child's immense potential with as much joy and ease as humanly possible. Make sure to take time to check out all of the resources I have gathered for you in the show notes, as well as on my website, yourparentingmentor.com. And be sure to get on my email list so you do not miss a single episode and other products and events I curate specifically for you. And please do not hesitate to reach out if you have any questions, concerns, or feedback. A warm welcome to you and thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome back to The Art of Parenting. This is your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. And today I have the pleasure of having Nick Adams. And Nick and I will be talking about fatherhood and what it is to be a father. So I'm very excited because as I was telling him, it's kind of rare that I have dads. It just not intentionally, but I just have a lot of moms on here and women. So thank you for being here with us uh, today, Nick. Jean-Marie, it's my pleasure to be with you. I'm I'm looking forward to the conversation. I've listened to several of your podcasts and really enjoy your guests, so I feel honored to be among them. Oh, wonderful. So if you've been listening, you know that I always like to start with the question of how would you define the art of parenting? And I think that is such a great question. To me, parenting is about relationship. And it's about maintaining a relationship in the process of taking a child from infancy to adulthood. And, you know, someone said to me recently, and I, I really like the way they said it, is we're not trying to raise good children. We're trying to raise good adults. And, and so I think that's what the art of parenting is, is, is maintaining relationship and raising significant effective adults. Wonderful. And and I love that you say that because I always define children as adults in the making. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I would love if, if you could just share a little bit about your background and how you came to do the work you're doing. And especially, uh, I know you're a recent author of the book, Being the Dad You Wish You Had. And so we'll, we'll get more into that. But first, if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself to our listeners. Sure. I am the father of four. I have two adult children and two children that are in middle school. My youngest son is adopted, and I have spent the majority of my adult life working with students in one format or another and have done you know, both intentional direct research about child rearing as well as just watching <laughs> lots of different students and often knowing their parents as well and trying to see what worked for them and what didn't and what are the dynamics. And so that's kind of my background. I'm an entrepreneur. I've owned multiple businesses, started a couple of nonprofits, and now I'm writing books. 
Wonderful. And I love that in your intake form, because uh, for my listeners, I, I have all of my guests kind of fill out a, a questionnaire. And one of the questions that I ask is, what are you most proud of, uh, or, or accomplishment that you're most proud of? And Nick put being a father. So I love that. <laughs> I, I tell people, and it really is true. My favorite thing in life is being dad. It's just been the highlight of my life. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So I would love to just dive right into, first of all, like, why did you feel the need to write this book? And the, the title of the book is Being the Dad You Wish You Had, Five Big Stones of Effective Fatherhood. So I'd love if we could get into the five different stones. But first, I, I would just love to know why, why the inclination, why the need to write this book? Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned earlier that I've owned several businesses and in, in the process of working in those businesses, I have often found myself dealing with, you know, issues surrounding an employee or just different, dif different things in the workplace. And, and I have heard myself saying to people, you know, really, he's a good guy. He's got a lot of strengths the problem is he was raised by wolves. And what I meant when I would say that is it's just his, he, he didn't have, he wasn't parented. <laughs> the people who were parenting him did not have any art to their parenting. And it, it's left this void. And, and for me, I work in a predominantly male uh, environment. And so most of the time I was referring to, to men uh, that they just hadn't been parented. And and I've really given a lot of thought to how can I help adults, you know, 25, 35 year olds who don't know how to live life. And that's one of the discussions we have a lot in, in our, our work environment. And so that's a little background. And then one night at the dinner table, we were doing conversation starters and my son read the conversation starter, which was, if you could change one thing in the world, what would it be? And sometimes, you know, you, you kind of struggle with, well, how to answer any kind of conversation starter. But that particular night, it just hit me like a bolt of lightning. If I could change anything in the world, I would create effective fathers. Because if I could create effective fathers, it would change the world. And that was kind of the genesis of this book is realizing that one of the best things I can do for employees is help them be effective fathers. One of the best things I can do for the people that I counsel is, is to help them be more effective fathers. And so that was the genesis of the book. Wonderful. And being effective father is a ripple effect because you're, the, the children that you're raising will be uh, better parents and so forth. Absolutely. So, so that's, that's fascinating. So, so, did this come from, I mean, I know you, you shared about it coming from your experience with your employees, but how were you raised? What, what was your, your father like? Yeah. And, and for sure, that was a piece of the puzzle. My father, you know, my relationship with my father would be dysfunctional at best. That would be, you know, a pretty good way to describe it. I, I opened the book with a story from my childhood uh, where my father is, I, I'm like 11 years old, and my father is threatening with a gun to kill my mother and I, and he's drunk. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so that was kind of, you know, 
as a child, I grew up, he wasn't always that violent, but he did drink and he, he was given to violent kind of outburst. And so from that point on, about 11 or 12 years old, until my dad was dying of cancer, he and I never slept under the same roof again. And, you know, we had a tumultuous relationship at best. And toward the end of his life, you know, we really started reconnecting as I started having kids and he wanted to be a part of the grandkids, you know, his grandchildren's lives. Uh, there was more and more connection, more and more open conversation. I got to hear a whole lot of his story, uh, which was very meaningful and helped me understand part of, of his, you know, dysfunction. But uh, for sure, you know, the, the whole concept of being the dad you wish you had is very close to my heart. And, you know, the book isn't just for people who've had that kind of really hard <laughs> relationship with their father, because almost anyone, no matter how wonderful your father is, you're like, I, I wish he had been a little more this, you know. And so it, it's for people with great dads and for people who have had really you know bad father experiences. Both will, I think, glean from the book. Yes. And, and your experience does, you know, sound pretty harsh and traumatic, but I will have to say that I think we always have some sort of judgment vis-a-vis -vis our own parents, even though I truly believe in my heart that they did the very best that they could with, you know, the tools and the upbringing and, and whatever they had. And that our children will most probably say, oh my gosh, you know, my father or my mother could have done better. So I think that's just part of the, the journey of, of parenting is where we're trying to do our best. And, you know, we, we, we will always be, I think, judged a little bit that it could have been better or it could have been different. Sure. I, and I think there's so much wisdom just to, to be able to acknowledge that and, and kind of go with it. You know, one of the things that, and, and it was a joke, but I used to tell my older kids now when they were young, I'd say, you know, I'm, I'm not saving for your college tuition. I'm saving for your therapy. You know, because you're, you know, you're going to need it. By the time you get out of the house with me, you'll need therapy. And then the other thing that I would always say to them is, you know, if I were a perfect parent, if I did everything right, never did anything wrong, you wouldn't be equipped to live in the world because you would have never learned how to deal with people who aren't perfect because nobody else in the world would be perfect. And so the fact that I fail and can acknowledge that really is a way for you to learn how to deal with people who are just human, you know? And, and so I, I just love what you were just saying that there's really not a way to get out of childhood without some bumps and some issues and, you know, places that you wish your parents had done something different. It's just a part of living. Exactly. Exactly. So in, in your book uh, about being the dad you wish you had, you, you mentioned this notion of five big stones of effective fatherhood. First of all, like what is the metaphor? I mean, I, I can imagine what the metaphor is, but I'd love for you to explain it, the, the, the stones. And then maybe if we can just get into the five different ones. Absolutely. I'd love to. So the picture is and I kind of set this up in, in the book that, that a professor comes into his classroom and he's got this big bucket, like a five gallon bucket, and he sits it on his desk and then he pulls out from under his desk another bucket and he starts putting some big rocks in 
his bucket. And he fills that bucket up with big stones. And then he asks his class, is the bucket full? And of course, they immediately say, yes, the bucket's full. So then he reaches under the desk and he pulls out another bucket. And this one has got small stones. And he begins to put these small stones into the bucket. And when he gets through, he asks his class again, is the bucket full? And they kind of, they're on to him now. And they're like, no, the bucket's not full. And he, he laughs and he reaches under the desk and pulls out another bucket, which has sand in it. And he pours the sand in the bucket. At the end, he says, you know, is the bucket full? And they're like, no. And they, they've kind of caught on. And he pulls out another bucket that has water in it. And he pours the water into the bucket until it's full. And he's like, is, is the bucket full? And they're like, yeah, probably. And this is a story that's told by by Covey. That's where I originally heard it. I don't know that it's original with him, but he tells the story in relation to time management. And so I've taken that same story and applied it to the idea of being an effective father, that or really an effective parent. If you can get the big things in your life then the other things will fit in and, and you'll be okay. But if you put things that maybe aren't the most important in there first, then you don't have room to put your big stones in. And so the whole idea of the book is, you know, I find it frustrating when someone says, hey, I've got 21 points or 101 things you should do to get along with your daughter. Or like, I can't remember 101 things. You know, I, I, I can't remember 21 things. I do well to remember five. And so the idea is instead of stressing over all the things you could be trying to do, let's focus on the things that are really important, that if you get these right, your parenting is going to be pretty effective. So that's, that's the title. No, I, and I like that visual because I'm imagining like if you had started with a bucket full of sand, then there's room for nothing. So, so yes. And I, and I had heard that story kind of in a business setting. So, which to me is fascinating because I've always kind of thought that, you know, I, I've being, being self-employed and such, I'm always kind of following business management and such. And it always comes back to parenting. Like it's the same, <laughs> almost the same tools sometimes that we can be using. So I, I love that you, you use that same analogy. So I'd love if we could just kind of start, you know, picking up those stones and looking at each of them. And, and so you can share with us what those five steps to effective fatherhood or effective parenting are. Absolutely. The first big stone is the power of being. And the point that I am trying to make with fathers here is, is to help them understand how important their role is. And that in the biggest sense, fatherhood is a superpower. As a dad, you have so much ability for good and for harm in a child's life. And so the whole first three chapters are just about helping to, and, and some of it is through research where, you know, different organizations have done research about the impact of fathers on children's lives. And so some of that is woven in there, but just to try to help dads understand you're making a difference. And, you know, from my personal life, which I've already told you a little bit about, you know, the dysfunction that was a part of that, 
my father still had a huge impact on my life. Like now that I'm, I'm 60 and I'm looking back over my life, I'm realizing that my dad is still impacting me. He's still affecting the way I see the world. And most of it is good. I mean, we had, you know, we had some real dicey moments. And yet my dad was a very generous person. And, you know, I've started a couple of nonprofits and the, the whole point of them is to help other people. And, and, and I find out as I look back that that comes from my dad, that he had a bent to try to help people who were less fortunate than him. Although my dad was a very simple man, never made much money, never had much of anything, yet he was very generous. And so, you know, I, I see that another thing that I get from my father is he chose to live a simple life. And, you know, I said he, he never really was financially very, very uh, well off. But the truth is he never, that wasn't something he was going for. That wasn't something he was seeking after. He was a farmer. He loved to work in the dirt. He had a simple life. And although, you know, my life isn't simple, I still value simplicity, if that makes sense. And so I realize I get that from my father. And so we had a rough relationship in a lot of ways. And yet, he had a huge impact on my life. And so I'm trying to start out there just to encourage dads that, you know what, you have a lot of power. And the more you can focus that and be intentional about being present with your children, that becomes a superpower. So when you say the power of being, it's really being present and being aware of the impact that you have on your child's life. In one sense, I'm really playing off of both sides of that, that there's there's power just in being. And it may be a negative power or it may be a positive power, but it's amazing how many people who had kind of poor fathers, poor father images, still have positive things they can tell you about their father and the things that they learned from him. And so I, I kind of just want men to understand that you're important, period. And then if you can kind of engage, it becomes exponential. Right. So am I hearing correctly that the power of being is whether you're quote unquote a good or a bad father, you still have a huge influence on your child. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And then, and then I'm also using it the other way, uh, which was what you were alluding to about being intentionally present. And, and so if you've got that much power, no matter what you do, think what you could do if when you come home at the end of the day, you intentionally engage with your children. You try to understand where they are emotionally and, and you try to, to connect with them, to build relationship with them. Think about how powerful that will be. Right. Okay. Perfect. And then building on that, what would be that second stone? The second stone is to model the way. And I think one of the things that you will find as you go through this book, if, if anyone chooses to do that, but is a whole lot of what I'm talking about is being intentional. Instead of just kind of going through life, it's to be intentional about the way you want to live. And, and so I, I talk about in this section, and again, there's, there's four chapters about this, but it's just that 
you know, as the father, you have a responsibility to be a teacher and to be a guru, to, to help your kids understand life and to understand that, you know, it's back to my, they were raised by wolves. If you, if you, as a dad, and obviously without any question as a mother, if, if you take the time to really think about what do kids need to know and how can I instill that for them, which is part of why I love your title, you know, the art of parenting and, and what you're doing, because that's a big part of what I think you're, you're doing is helping people be intentional about their parenting. And, and so in this section, I just talk with them about how they can help their kids see the world and interpret the world. One of the things that one of the chapter titles is that is the reflection pool. And what I'm talking about there is that when your kids are telling you things, the way you respond to them tells them about life. And so, you know, I have a son that is enormously in tune with other people's emotions. And he has my youngest son, our adopted son, has some uh, developmental issues. And my older son is just, he has, I mean, at six and seven, he was telling me things that I'd think, I'm the one with the master's degree. You should not have to be telling me this. I should know this. You know? <laughs> but he he just intuitively would would see the way to, to help his brother. And and so one of the things I've tried to say to him as as modeling the way as being a reflection pool for him is to say, this is extremely valuable because a sensitive young man isn't always respected in our culture. And it's easy for him to, I think it would be easy. I don't know that it's happened, but I think it would be easy for him to kind of question, is that too soft? Is that too feminine? Is there something, you know, should I roughen these edges a little bit and care a little less? And so I've tried to be a reflection pool for him to say, hey, this is a huge, valuable asset that you have in your life. Make sure you you hold on to that, you know? And so I'm modeling the way for him. I'm not just letting the people around him and the culture kind of dictate what he should be, but I'm helping him explore who he really is and then validating that. So so that's kind of modeling the way, and, and it has to do with values. I have a whole you know, chapter on values and, and trying to help dads and families think through, what do I want my values to be? Because when I became a father, one of the terrors for me was I'd always heard people say, oh, you know, my dad always said, blah, 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 or like my dad always told me. And honestly, I didn't have any of those. Anything that I could go, oh, this is valuable. I need to pass it on to my kids. And so, you know, my wife and I really, we talked multiple times through the years about what do we value and what do we want to pass on to our kids? And, and, and there's all kinds of things that are hugely valuable. And, and so I don't think I can tell anybody what their values should be, but I, what I've tried to do is, is to list a whole bunch of things that are valuable and that are values and say, hey, you know, you and your spouse should kind of think through what five to seven of these are important to you as a family. And then how are you going to pass those on to your kids? And so that's, that's the modeling the way. 
Perfect. And to me, that's also, you know, what we often say about parenting, that it's more important to model what we want to see in our children than to try to tell them and quote unquote, teach them. It's really about being that, being that person and modeling it for them. So um, I love that. And then, and then the third one uh, that we would build on, and, and I, and I assume that these kind of built on each other. In some way, but, but not necessarily. I do think, you know, the first one to me is probably the foundation, you know, the power of being just to understand how valuable you are and how important it is to be present with your kids. I, I do think that's kind of foundational, but the rest of them could really, I believe, have come in any order. But the third one, and, and I get a lot of funny looks about this one and, and lots of people have lots of questions about it, but it's to be lovable. And you know, on, on one hand, it's like, well, that seems pretty obvious, but Yes and no, not for everybody. <laughs> exactly. Thank yeah. you. Because that's yeah. what I really see is that a lot of parents, both moms and dads, gets really focused on so there's so much to focus on in life. That's one of the reasons I'm trying to make this. Here's five big stones, you know, but often dads are the disciplinarian or, you know, they're kind of the, the buck stops here. Not always, but but sometimes. And often fathers tend to have a disposition that is a little bit rougher than a mom. You know, I mean, you, you think about mom, you think about love, you think about dad, you think about structure, you know, <laughs> or you think about, uh, you know, him motivating you or trying to inspire you or, but typically you think about mom and you, you have nice, warm, fuzzy feelings. I think a lot of people do not, not that. Not everybody, but yes. Yeah. Can't make those huge sweeping statements for sure. Right. The the archetype of father mother is kind of like that for sure. Yes. And so just to acknowledge and to help fathers acknowledge, again, I believe a huge part of parenting is having lifelong relationship with my children and helping them become effective, responsible adults. And so because relationship is a huge part of that then I ought to be lovable. <laughs> I ought to be someone that they want to be in relationship with. And that changes, and it's a piece of the book, is that that changes through the years as to what my relationship with them should look like, what my objectives are with them. I'm, I'm not trying to be my five-year-old's friend. That, that's the wrong role at that age, in my opinion. But I want to be my 20-year-old's friend and I want them to see me as, as someone that is deeply in relationship with them. One of my oldest daughter's comments that is one of my favorite compliments is one day she said to me, you are my best friend. And that was before she was married. She's married now. I don't think I have that position anymore. <laughs> but it, it's just that sense of, I really want to be your friend. I want to be I feel connected to you and, and, and that's huge. And so to be lovable, I think as a father, one of the things that I think is so important is for us to be able to be just real. Dads, and again, I'm making stereotypical comments, not to offend, but I think it just cuts through a lot of, of space. And most people can understand what I'm saying, that 
fathers tend to not be as relational, tend to not be as emotional, tend to not be as good at connecting. And so to step back and say, you know, dads, we need to work on that and to make it a a real effort to be human enough that our kids can connect with us. Because I think a lot of times fathers want to be seen as kind of having their stuff together and doing it right. And if you'll listen to me, your life will turn out pretty good. Instead of being like, you know what? I really just blew that. I am so sorry. I I can't tell you how many times I've stopped and gone back to one of my kids or the whole family and said, you know what? I totally overreacted in that situation. And my anger was not justified. And I am really sorry I spoke to you that way. Will you forgive me? And you can see a change in the kids. You can see their hearts come towards you because they realize you know you aren't perfect. And that's endearing. You know, and kids are all, we're always telling kids what they do wrong. That's a part of our job. I mean, there's a positive way of doing that instead of the negative, but we're always trying to help them grow. And I think it's so powerful when a dad can just acknowledge, wow, that's an area I need to grow in. That was not an okay response, or I, I wish I had done that differently. And and it shows your humanity that you're fallible. They don't have to rebel quite as hard because you're not pretending that you've done it all right. Anyway, I think there's just so much in there. But but that's that's the the third big stone is to to be lovable and and to be fun. I mean, good grief, like just be fun. Yeah, and I will I will say you know working with families and such today. And and I'm also a birth doula. So I see families really at the beginning of their their journey to to parenthood. I really have seen a change in fathers in men just just really stepping up to the plate. And I think there is a real beautiful evolution uh, happening that I'm witnessing at least of, um, you know, men really, like you say, stepping up to the plate and being in tune to their emotion, being in tune to their more feminine side, uh, wanting to have those relationships and, and so forth. So to me, there, there is a, you know, there's definitely a positive advance to all of this. Absolutely. And, and that's what I want to just keep encouraging people. You know, that, that is huge for a father child relationship. Definitely. Definitely. So if you wouldn't mind just sharing that the last two stones of this effective fatherhood. Sure. Number four is to create the foundation for self-worth in your kids. And number five is to create an atmosphere of unconditional love and support. Beautiful. Beautiful. Do you want to, do you want to touch a little bit on, on both of these just quickly? Uh, with, you know, the, the whole idea of, of creating a foundation for self-worth it's so, I heard this story when I first started my parenting journey. Um, I heard someone talk about when you, when your kids come running to you, when you come home from work and they've got this excitement about seeing you and they've got this excitement about whatever they've done in their day, you need to match their excitement. So, you know, if they're all excited about this doll that they have in their hand and 
and you're like, oh yeah, it's a doll, you know, and you're still at work and you're still engaged in other things. The message that they get over time is the things that are important to you aren't important, which then begins to, of course, affect self-worth because if you're sending that message. And so, you know, just to, to realize that in every environment and every day, the things that our kids are excited about, they may be really not very exciting to us, but they're focused on it. And it's the first time they've seen, you know, whatever it is, a full moon or the first time, you know, and, and so to enjoy the wonder that they have in their eyes instead of being all adult and being like, oh yeah, it's the moon. But but to really, you know, just engage with them because they're so excited about it. And and that says, hey, you're important. And the things that you're seeing are important and the emotions that you're having are important. And and so that's a piece of it. And, and then to to just acknowledge, you know, and that their efforts are valid and valuable and, and to help them see themselves as a person of worth. So that that's that. And I could obviously I've I've written three chapters about it. I could talk about it for a long time, but that's that's the nutshell. And then, you know, to create an atmosphere of unconditional love and support, I think is pretty self-explanatory, but I think it's really important. One of the chapter titles is Dad Calls You to Your Best. And it's that I think parents need to to see the best in their kids and help them see the best in themselves and then to bring them toward that, never to live vicariously. That is not at all what I'm talking about. But to be able to say, hey, I see this in you. You really like this and you're really good at this. And and so let me support you and and encourage you and and do everything I can to help you move in that direction. And then to give that just overarching sense of no matter what happens, I love you and I'll support you. And that's one of the things I tell my kids, probably to the point that they're sick of hearing it, is I will always love you. It, you will never do something that I won't love you. You might do some things I won't like. You might do some things that I'll be really, really sad about. But you will never do something that will cause me not to love you. I will always be here for you. And I'll always do everything I can to help you become the best person you can be. And so that's kind of that that last section of uh, of the Big Stone is just to create that atmosphere. And then to realize, you know, kind of as parents, that kind of where we started, you you're not going to be perfect. The goal of parenthood to me is not perfection, it's progress. And as long as you're moving in the right direction, you are being effective. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And and I, I have to say that your four children are very lucky to have you as their father because well, thank you. You've, <laughs> you've, you know, done a lot of work on 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 yourself and understanding the importance and, and so forth. So thank you for, for sharing um, those five stones that this has been very good. And just um, as I like to, to kind of start wrapping things up, you mentioned that you have uh, two young adults. What is the age of the eldest? My oldest daughter is 24 and my, my two, my two older ones are girls. So I've got a 24 year old daughter and a 22 year old daughter. Okay. So if you were to go back 25 years ago when 
you and uh, your daughter's mom were expecting her. What wise words would you have liked to hear or what wise words would you have, you know, told yourself knowing all that you know today? Wow, that is such a fantastic question. You know, in a lot of ways, I think the thing I would have wanted to have heard is kind of what I just closed there with a moment ago. It's progress, not perfection. And, you know, love just irrationally and keep making progress as a person. And your fatherhood will turn out pretty good. Yes, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, Nick, any, any parting words that you would like to leave our listeners with today? You know, the, the main thing I want to say to, to moms and dads both is you're doing a huge, important work, and there's no way to, under, to overestimate the power of your involvement in kids' lives. And so I just congratulate you and encourage you to, to keep up the hard work. It's not always easy, but it's very valuable. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Nick, for coming on the show and sharing your experience and wisdom with us. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Art of Parenting podcast. And if you did, please share it with your loved ones and make sure to leave a review so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time. Hee <laughs>